My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me, <laughs> <laughs> we got this big beep outside. I don't think I don't think we picked that up on the mic. It's probably on there. Yeah, it's exciting. What's yeah, going on? Right, outside? It's, it's so you know this is live. Mm-hmm. Oh my we record goodness. this in a park every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You want to record things in your backyard again. I sure. know, Ryan. Ryan's still pushing for this. We have Ryan as our producer today. Welcome back. How are you doing, Pilar? I haven't been here in a little while. It's because we weren't talking to you for a while, but now... <laughs> But we love you again. I had all those commercials to shoot. <laughs> I was just telling our guest, Lori, that, that I just see Ryan on TV all the time, but it's not Ryan. And I'm mad that that person has your job and not you. And I'm, I want you too. to go we back find to your commercial guys. agent. And these doppelgangers. We need to hunt them down. They're not, they're not n- nearly as funny and cute as you are. <laughs> Maybe so. that's part of the casting breakdown. Not nearly and fu- funny as cute and cute as Ryan. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's like a Ryan Buds type. Yes. But not. Yes. Something like that. Ryan Buds. Less Ryan. Less, right. It's like Lewis Black uh, couldn't get the audition for a sitcom about Lewis Black or something. He has a story about that. Like they're like, ah, you're not like angry enough. And he's like, it's about me. Wow. Yeah. Did he write it? (laughs) Something like that. I'm very badly paraphrasing the story, but he has a story about not being able to get a role that was like written. Oh, that was a Lewis Black type. Lewis Black type. Yeah. We have Lori Kilmartin here, and Lori Kilmartin is definitely a Lori Kilmartin type. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and no one's requesting that, by the way. I don't. I requested it, and I'm glad. She's currently a staff writer for the Conan O'Brien show. She's also known. Is, is it okay to say that you're known as being a finalist on last year? Sure, yeah, Day? yeah. Because we were watching and we were rooting for you. Thank you. I just want to let you know. Thanks so she much. is also an amazing stand up. She's performed stand up on the Jimmy Kimmel show, Comedy Central's Premium Blend. Um, I'm working off of a Wikipedia oh, page that oh. maybe you don't even know you have. <laughs> right. Uh, it, Conan it, and. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, also as a writer, you were also on the staff of The Late Late Show. Yes, yeah. with yeah Ferguson, yeah, and tough crowd with Colin Quinn. Yeah, that was my first writing job. And Ooh, classic com- show, Comedy yeah. Central's Too Late with Adam Carolla. Yes, and the Bonnie Hunt show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these people would be nothing without Lori right. Martin. <laughs> tell, tell tell me, um, what do you specifically do for the Conan Show? Because I know that you don't write the sketches, right? You write not, I don't not many. Um, most uh, monologue. So every once in a while, like someone from the monologue team, there's um, four of us, will pitch a sketch idea that is viable. <laughs> Usually we're off the mark. Um, and then we'll have to produce, or produce it, and then it's um, terrifying. So every once in a while I get a sketch on, but mostly, mostly monologue jokes. And you've been in a couple of them too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been on a few too, yeah. What is more rewarding to see one of your monologue jokes hit or a sketch that you, that you came up with uh, really sore? Um... I guess a monologue joke. Yeah. Yeah. It, and 
I don't. Sometimes I don't even watch. I guess I do watch it being performed. But that at that point, once it's picked, it's like ah, oh, sweet. <laughs> and when it's on a card and it's it makes a final card meeting, then I'm happy. Um, the, you know, the fact that he actually tells it in a couple of minutes is you know I, icing. But the fact <laughs> that it it got picked and made it to the final card meeting is always the best. That's so tell awesome. us all about these card meetings and stuff. What is the process for for monologues um, from going from from a writer's room to the comic actually giving it? Yeah, um, we're not really in a writer's room like the sketch guys are, mm-hmm. you know, or the sketch team is where we sort of write independently. Uh, then we'll meet and read the jokes out loud and just to see if there's duplicates or, you know, uh, and then hand them to Conan and then we'll do that process like two more times during the day. And Conan picks, you know, um, jokes from each batch. And then at the end of the day, right before the show tapes, we sort of, you know, pick his, go through his favorites and he reads them out loud and we figure out what's going to work. You know, some jokes are really funny on the page and then they don't, they don't sound funny spoken or they're maybe just interesting <laughs> instead of <laughs> laugh out loud. You know, everything plays differently when you hear it being said. What, what is, do you find yourself editing a lot when somebody's saying stuff out loud? Well, I, is it an editing question? Like sometimes there's just like too many words coming out of his sometimes mouth. Sometimes there's too many. Sometimes there's not enough. Sometimes you have to give people just like a like a small phrase, you know, just like on the you know on the table or something, just to set them in a, a space of a joke so that you can get to the punchline. And sometimes the punchline comes too quick, and you just needed to add a little thing to it, and that's why it wasn't working. Sometimes it, there's too much information, and so you have to take a little bit out, but not. Not so much that it doesn't make sense. It's constant tweaking and fine-tuning and going at or on. You know, like once we get to showtime, we're literally just looking at little things like that and seeing which is the best way to do it. Lori, as a stand-up comedian and a, a monologue joke writer, do you ever, uh, you go, oh, that one's for me, I'm ke- that joke I just thought of? Or do you have, do you have to kind of do that in your head, like, oh, this one I'll use for Conan, this one I might use on stage, or I might tweet this one? Or do you kind of like, divvy it up that way? Or um, I don't really use anything on stage that I write for Conan because gotcha. it's, it's um, my 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 uh, stand up is all about my life, gotcha. so it has, you it be doesn't doing cross any kind ever. Of joke like yeah, that, yeah. Okay. you know sometimes if he doesn't use one that's very topical and I have a set that night, I might just use it just to get some legs. Yeah, out of it, just yeah. to like not let it die, you know, in vain. <laughs> uh, but then it, there's no point. It, there's never a point in you know really working hard on. Um, uh, topical jokes if you're a stand-up for your own act, you know, sure, uh, sure. because they just go away so quickly. Um, but I, you know, there's some stuff, if Conan doesn't pick it and it, I'll tweet, I used to tweet jokes a lot, and then I started you know, realizing I was writing in his voice, so when I'm tweeting, it's you know, tweeting, I also, it sounds strange, but you, you do sort of find your Twitter voice, mm-hmm. which is different from your stand-up voice. Sure. And, and so, you know, jokes that I wrote for somebody else don't necessarily work with my Twitter voice all the time. So it's, it's sort of, and I, my Twitter voice is a lot um, darker than, you know, what I would write for uh, Conan. So that, that often doesn't cross either. You sure. know? Now, how early in the morning do you have to be funny? Um, <laughs> well, we start at nine uh, ish, um, and I actually don't uh, start writing jokes till ten. We we do an hour of finding premises, so that's just for me. I look at uh, Huffington Post and Politico and Talking Points Memo and Slate and Daily Beast and uh, Science, Science, Scientific American, and you just try to find the Atlantic. Um, 
uh, stories that you can read really quick, you know, and find a couple good, you know, uh, um, sentences, you know, quotes that people say, you know, Mitt Romney was always fun to find a quote because he just bungled words just <laughs> enough for your, it just like, oh, dude, <laughs> could you not sound like a billionaire for one day? Um, but uh, it's, it's, so I'll, you know, I'll read as many of those as I can. Um, and uh, then we all share premises. We have a giant premise sheet we're all contributing to. And the, um, writer's assistant um, Danielle compiles them all and then then we all work off of each other's premises we also have interns that um, also they they tend to cover the same stories we're covering but sometimes the way they phrase the setup is a little different and that triggers something in your brain that uh, you know a different setup didn't even though it's the same story so it's always good to read those too and then then we start writing you know now does a headline when does a headline become a premise is it is it a a twist on the headline? No, no, no. The headline's straight. Like Mm -hmm. in a joke, the first, the setup's always true. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure this is across the board with all the late night people, but it, you know, the setup's true and the, the punchline is a lie or it's a twist or, you know, the, the joke is not, it's a joke. It's not (laughs) the truth, you know? (laughs) Um, so, uh, so yeah, we just look for stories that I think, um, you know, that Conan would want to talk about, you know, sometimes he gets sick of stuff, you know, he gets, you know, there was, the Kardashians aren't really punchliney anymore, but for a while they were like super, super interesting to talk about. And then it's like, Oh, them again. And <laughs> now there's, they're almost like, you know, the Royal family where they're just an established part of American celebrity. And unless they do something really crazy, it's, it's not that exciting to talk about them anymore. You know, what mm-hmm. about Trump? Trump Trump was like, I think, you know, before I was at the show, like at late night when they were in New York, you know, Trump was a go-to and then everyone got tired of Trump. And, and the last election cycle, he threatened to run for president and clearly he was just, you know, garnering, you know, trying to get some attention for the apprentice. And so we kind of ignored him there, but, um, this one, he's unignorable. And it's, it's, you know, for me, I love it. It's delightful. He's really spinning out of control. And it's a lot of fun. It's always fun. You know, he does, for a long time, he felt like, like old taters. And now, because of the way he's upended the Republican Party, uh, he feels like fresh. He feels fresh again. So it's kind of cool. But you know what? We're taping it the day after the Megyn Kelly uh, menstruation thing, oh, and it, he's God. about to turn another corner to uh, of that old guy because I think he's about to. It, he peaked, you know. Yeah. Right during the debate, that was where we were. We were at peak Trump, and then <laughs> the way he tried to spin it afterwards uh, killed it. You know, he was disinvited to um, the Reds. This this guy named Eric. Erickson, who has this crazy right-wing uh, group called Red State uh, something. It might just be Red State whatever. It's not what's, we weren't whatever is what <laughs> the, uh, is Trump's word for vagina. But that, So he disinvited Trump, and so now, I, I mean, I, I do pay attention to that kind of stuff on the weekends. Is you know, It's like hour by hour that story is changing, and so when we get to work on Monday, tomorrow, you know, uh, will he be done 
are the new polls tomorrow going to be, you know, he's fallen in and now it's Jeb Bush and then that shifts everything. You know? mm-hmm. So, th- so that's interesting. It's not always like that, you know, and the Republicans are so crazy that that changes overnight. You know, the Democrats are, I think we all know it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> so know. It's I not think, that exciting. You know, anything could happen. I mean, think that's, that's the fun part. Yeah. You know, where you just like, Waiting, waiting, mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, after this madness, there will be some Democratic candidate madness, and like, who knows? Anybody could come out of the woodwork, you know? Yep. Don't you? Don't you think? I, I, I feel like after Sarah Palin surprised everybody, I don't think there's any woodwork anymore. <laughs> I think the it's media, all been down, the yeah, the media gone. knows every council, per- like the media knows every potential little tiny person. And before you could be governor of a state and not have anyone know who you are, and now it doesn't seem like that's possible. Were you always uh, somebody interested in the news and and things that were topical before you took these kind of jobs? Um, I wasn't that much. I I kind of paid attention, but again, because it wasn't anything I talked about on stage. I think a long time ago when I was first starting, there's a speaker of the house named Jim Wright. And he, there's some scandal about him lying, I think. And I had a joke about it and it killed. And I was like, wow. And I did it for like a week and I was in love with it. It was like one of the best laughs I was getting. And then it stopped working. And then I was like, it would hurt me so much that I sort of disengaged. And so I just knew as much as probably the average person, I paid attention as much. And then, um, uh, after I moved to New York, uh, I got a job on a political website, uh, writing on a political website. And then I really, really started paying attention, you know. When you got on Conan, did you kind of know what you was what was expected of you? Like, okay, this is what I'll be doing for this job every day, or did you just kind of have to pick it up based on all the other writers? Oh, they tell you. They yeah, kind of go, yeah, okay. definitely. So, like, did you was that something you practiced before you started your first day? Was a lot of the, like monologue joke writing? Yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I had done uh, after I did Last Comic Standing, and I got voted off immediately when I after I made the top ten and the. You know, the internet comments, you know, when you start reading comments about yourself, it's like, she's not funny. And so uh, I would just to feel funny, I started writing a lot of topical jokes and put, putting them on, posting them on Facebook, not even Twitter, just because I wanted the likes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just wanted some proof that I was funny still. And, um, and then when I heard uh, that Conan was hiring, I had a nice, happened to have a nice coincidentally a nice backlog of jokes that were less than two months old perfect and there were all you know i could tell which ones were hitting the best by the responses i had gotten on facebook to How them funny like like writer therapy basically yes. led to a really great writing gig yeah it helped me that part of my packet was pretty strong so. and that's that's something as a comedian that's looking to write on a show like conan you should just do right you should just have always have a backlog of, of monologue jokes, even if you never post them anywhere, because if somebody, yeah. if that job like it opened for you, yeah. um, it, it really worked out. Yeah. And I mean, now, you know, even just a couple of years later, I think like Seth Meyers hired somebody off of his Twitter feed, a guy oh, wow. in Ohio. So it's not like you should write them and hoard them, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, I, Definitely think, you know, when, when people are looking to hire comedy writers now, they go, they first go immediately to Twitter. I mean, Twitter, you know, because of the character limit, it's, it's, it's only, it's like, it's tailor made for comedians. Mm -hmm. And if you're a comedian who's not tweeting a lot, it's like, well, what are you doing? And (laughs) and you might not be right for the late night format. Like you almost, that's almost like a requirement now. Mm -hmm. No, you know, as a, as a writing teacher, I'm, I'm very big on structure in terms of, you know, what what is the structure of 
a show, a scene, in this case, what would be the structure of a good joke, do you feel? Like, do you think there's sort of like, you mentioned starting with the truth and ending with a lie. Um, do you think there's any kind of, I hate to say formula, it just sounds awful. Well, it just has to surprise you, Got you it. know? So the so some of the really great jokes, and I can't remember any of them off the top of my head, you know, and I, as soon as I write them there, I forget them, you know, cause you write so many a day. There's nothing, anything, you know, my brain doesn't hold on to any of them. Um, but you know, if, if you start out with some sort of, you know, like a, like a, if Chris Christie's in the premise, you, you know, as an audience member, you're like, you're, you know, you're stealing yourself for a fat joke. Mm-hmm. So if, if the the punchline is a fat joke and you're still surprised by it because the way the person got there, that's a great joke. You know, if you if you kind of know what's coming and it still surprises you, that's really amazing. And then there's other things where you know it just you know you're you're, you're you as an audience member aren't going to get ahead of that that setup. You know, and whatever whatever the punchline is is you know if it makes you laugh, it's a good joke. But my favorites are when you think. You're like, oh God, not a Kim Kardashian joke again. And then it is a good one, you know? And you're like, what? Someone did it. Someone found gold in what I thought was a closed mine. And when you guys are pitching to Conan and you guys are working it, it out, are you all giving notes on each other's jokes and spinning that and like mm-hmm. saying, how yeah. about this and all that? Yeah. yeah. Um, did, is there ever any competition where you're like, that person was funnier than me today or no. Cause we, we actually submit jokes anonymously to him. So ah. he just reads from oh, a giant cool. pile of jokes. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's really good because you, that eliminates that thing of like, you know, um, don't touch my joke yeah. <laughs> or I'm not going to help you with your joke because I, you know, I don't want you to have hashtag and me not to it, you know? So does any people don't know even when it airs, right? Whose right, joke right, that right. was? Well, I mean, we know, know who your, wrote it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you know, like you know, you can kind of every, everyone has their own style. Sure, so you can sure. kind of guess. Oh, know, that's but, cool. But um, but yeah, it's and that way, you know, everyone's trying to fix jokes all the time, and and we're no, we're not suggesting like I'm never suggesting a joke of mine that Conan didn't pick because I want mine on because if he liked it, he would have picked it. So what you know, if there's a joke that's like ninety percent there and something's off, you know, anytime you have a way to fix it. You know, we're all trying to make a great monologue, and that's the whole point. So it, it, we're not all trying to gain points with Conan. We're all trying to make sure every joke is as perfect as it can be in his voice, you know, in the way he speaks. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't get competitive like that. And I think, I think that's really smart of him to um, do that. I, I know, I've heard on other shows where, like, they actually keep track and they post it and stuff, and that's just horrifying to me. <laughs> How can you write like that? You know, you need your brain to be empty of all that stuff so you can focus on, you know, finding the best joke. And sometimes the best joke takes 20 minutes to write. You're like, oh, yeah, and you come back to it and stuff. And, and if you either have to post certain numbers, you know, if you write 50 jokes a day, that means you're not going to spend time on a, a joke that takes 15 minutes. And that might be the best joke, you know. And you... You know, people are always trying to vo- write for voices, either mm-hmm. uh, a great character voice that they're making up or a voice on an existing show. You've written for Colin Quinn, Adam Carolla, Bonnie Hunt. They all have completely different ways of delivering jokes um, or, or just to sort of just talking in general. Uh, how do you take on their voice when you're writing material for them? No, I guess you kind of mimic them a little bit. Although, you know, in each of those cases, um, 
like Colin, I, I heart, you know, I, we kind of wrote, he wrote a lot of his own stuff. Um, and we, the, the writers that were on the show, we actually wrote um, these kind of sketches that were in, was called the Act Three, in, in our Act Three. So we were more focused on that. Um, so it wasn't like, like Colin, you know, it's hard to write for Colin Quinn. He, he writes his own stuff the best, you know. Um, and then um, Adam Carolla didn't take any writing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fir- it was funny like the first day at work the head writer said I hope you guys have screenplays to work on Cause, oh. cause he, <laughs> you know and that's kind of the way it was and then um, Bonnie um, fired me <laughs> so she that oh. didn't, yeah I hate to like shoot down all your examples but I'm not this genius <laughs> um, no she uh, I was yeah that was a we- that was a really weird situation but um, I was hired to write funny um, uh, sponsored stuff, you know? I wasn't part of her comedy team. It was, I was in complete misery. Uh, it was really, I was, it was a relief to be fired. Um, so they'd be like, we had pamps or Pampers as a sponsor yeah, today. Yeah, and they wanted to do a funny thing. Pampers no, no, not like to actually be like, oh, you know, Pampers is going to sponsor a segment, so we need... Uh, and it was really like a, more of an advertising job because it wasn't like it c- could be funny because mm. Pampers would be like, oh, we don't want to say that about her. <laughs> you know, it was so not what I did that mm-hmm. it was horrific. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, that that mercifully I was, I was put out of my misery. Um, so Conan's the guy that I think of where we actually did all the writing you think you're going to be doing on a late night show. You know, it's, he needs jokes. And so we write a ton of jokes. So that's the most, this, this show I'm on now is the most I've ever written on a writing show, on a writing job, you know. You've been on it for, for a while, right? Since, um, since we started at TBS. So I think that was 2010, I think. Right? That's a long wow, time. Five yeah. years already. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, no, I have to ask you, you're a woman. You're a writer. I have to ask you the woman writer question. No, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, okay. Uh, do you think that there there needs to be more women in this particular part of TV writing? I mean, sure, yeah, definitely. Are you are you the only woman on your team? Or are there others? Um, there's uh, Jesse uh, Gaskell is mm-hmm. a female and she's a she's a sketch writer primarily so she's on the sketches team um but there's only four of us and i'm one of the four um that are monologue but the other three are guys i mean there's you know there's the uh, do you think that female stand-ups in general especially female stand-ups who want to then get writing jobs do you think that they're we're finally breaking through the chicks aren't funny kind of thing or do you think that's still out there no i don't know i i don't i I just bristle at that, you know, because it, that came from Christopher Hitchens and that's like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's almost like people have been trained to bring that up. Like you know? me just yeah. now on my show. Seriously though, because do you think women aren't funny? No. Do you know anyone who thinks women aren't funny? <sighs> Secretly? I think there are people who still think do that you, way. It, 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 do you know them? I, I mean, I, I, it's almost like it's. I don't like them. It's like it's <laughs> like we're we to say blacks can't swim, but yeah. I really people still think that, and I, you know, like I don't know. It just I, I don't. So, so kind of like even by bringing up this discussion, it sort of feels like it, it's it's still keeping that separation, right? But it it like almost creating that divide. I only hear about it when people feel obligated as 
talking to me, you know, when they go, oh, you're a woman in comedy. I have to, you know what I mean? That's right. almost like, like, no, you don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. And my, it just, it, it almost, it's almost like that question is perpetuating whatever that thing is. Lori, I so was you not going to ask you this, but Ryan made me. It was, <laughs> Ryan was like, you have to ask her this. And I was like, no, Ryan, this is just perpetuating everything. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that you make a really good point. Thank you very much. Oh, sure. All right. Okay, I've learned I don't something. To, to, you know, react so, you no, know, quickly it makes, to it. It but makes it, a lot of sense. It yeah. does. I think, I think. I mean. It's sort of like, yeah, it's like, okay. It's, a, it's always going to distinguish you as other. By yes. always yeah, bringing yeah, up yeah. the fact of how do you feel to be other. And it's in it like I've been at, you know, headlining at a club on the road and you go do the morning radio. Well, what do you think about women are dude, I'm headlining this room and I've just made you laugh for 10 minutes on your morning zoo. Is, is that a problem? Like it, right. it's almost like it, you can't, you know, talk about comedy without somebody saying, what about this thing that, Oh, the guy who said it died. Like it's, I don't think it's a thing anymore, you know? And it, and there are so many, you know, there have always been funny women, but now there's more than one. More than one is allowed to be famous. Oh, you know, that's I think good. like maybe 20 years ago, uh, only Tina Fey and, you know, and Amy, not Amy Poehler. Not, you know, we have, to, we have Tina Fey. Why do we need Amy Schumer? Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's like there's more and more and there's still way more. There's still more uh, women that aren't white that are really funny that are just like, okay, I'm next. You know, I, I hope it just, it, it's waiting. It's, they're there. People have to discover them, you know. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Well, <laughs> we, will, we will move on because you, um, uh, I was asking you before the mics went on um, about whether or not you were writing anything that's scripted mm-hmm. beyond the Kona show and you said that you were you that's were the hardest thing in the world. Half I, don't know, I don't know how you scripted people do this. <laughs> it's so hard. So is the half hour pilot, is it um, have anything to do with your book or is it no, based on your life? Nope, it's just it's based on a job I had in New York a while a while ago. Cool. Um, yeah. And are you are you writing it and hoping to sort of you know, sell it, yeah. Go out yeah. okay. Are your yeah. agents like yeah, you get like, that where done? is it? Yeah, they gave me notes and you know, I'm like I'm like, okay. You know, it's like what you, it takes so long to do it, and then you're like, "Oh, good, it's done." I never have to think about. It. Oh, I do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, it's really hard to do. But you as know? far as being, I mean, you've been a, you know, you're such a strong joke writer. Yeah. Are you finding Thanks. that those skills are um, helping you out with a half hour, or do they sometimes get in the way because you're holding yourself back from writing more? I can't tell what the problem is. I mean, it, there's just generic procrastination, which I think every writer has, you know, and uh, I've got to read this book on decluttering. Like for that, that book took over like two weeks of that. I had allotted for writing was, was the Japanese, what, I forget her name, Marie something about oh, yeah, decluttering about this decluttering. It's amazing. I, uh, if you need to write something, you got to read the decluttering book <laughs> because, because then you won't write, yes, because exactly. you'll be, but your house will look awesome. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the thesis of this is that when you declutter, you don't just move one thing, you move everything in one time. Yeah. It's a giant, <laughs> crazy. giant thing. I yeah. find myself doing the thing a lot where I'm like, uh, 
ooh, I need this new notebook and then I'll start writing some good stuff. Yeah. Or like, you know, right, like, ooh, that's, right. a, that's a fancy new moleskin. I'd probably write some good stuff if I had mm-hmm. that notebook. Like if I see it at the <laughs> store or like, ooh, like someone told me about Evernote. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll probably start writing a lot better stuff if I have better, Ever, if I use Evernote. Evernote. And then after what a couple a, months, it's like... What a fake Evernote is. <laughs> Evernote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I have it too and I've never used it. Uh, I did yeah. the same thing. Like I would be way more organized if I had that. Sure. And I just and now, sit there and... Yeah, now you have a million notes to sift through on Evernote. <laughs> that's what I have. And ultimately you just need to sit down and do it right and then when you do even when it that sucks hurts. when you're done it just feels like a you're like i did like you just said you're like i did it even, yes. if, even if it sucks you're like it's a complete it's the page amount it should be in whatever yeah it's a good feeling no i'm i'm just mentioned your book mm-hmm. um and i didn't mention it when i was introducing you you have written a book called shitty mom yeah <laughs> it just makes me smile just saying that title oh you thank know? you so okay so so can you tell everybody about about that book? Um, it's just a, it's a comedic parenting book, you know, and, um, it came out in 2012 and for one week it was on the New York times bestseller in the how to section. Awesome. So, um, they only need one week one to be able week. to say I know, it, right? I know, I know. Yeah. So we put it on the cover. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny. It's, they're all really short chapters, um, that you could read on the toilet, you know, if you're hiding from your kid, they're all like <laughs> the most, the longest they are 750 words. And they're, it's just sort of a, you know, really funny, dark, um, take on parenting. What's the, what, what's the thesis of the book? If you, if you were going to say, um, it's okay to do a bad job. Nice. That's, I think that's the thesis. And I think I had right, you know, right after it was sort of timed right after uh, tiger mom came out mm-hmm. where you're just like, Jesus Christ, that's I a can't lot of work. do all this. Yeah, I can, you know, and, um, and, and it's meant to be, you know, it's kind of a backlash against all, the helicopter parenting and all um, the pr- the pressure to raise a perfect kid and do all and and you know you got to you got to provide this for your kid and this for your kid and this for your kid and it's like expensive and it's time consuming and bef- you know I I lived for a really long time where I wasn't providing things for a kid <laughs> I want part of my life back I don't sure. I don't want my whole life to change you know sure Ryan, Ryan's uh, baby is nine months old yeah nine uh, months so, yesterday so, so yeah. wow did Congrats. you guys the the baby books the, uh, I she, think I warned you against yeah she books. read one on breastfeeding I think oh, oh, and no. I think we read a few pieces of what to expect when you're expecting but not Don't, like anything like that book is nothing so scary more than that. yeah it's mm. so scary um, do you have more than one kid or one kid I just have one mm. how, how old is yeah. he's eight he's nice. eight yeah he's eight yeah mine are ten and fifteen and when uh, the first one when I was pregnant with the first one that was the year of attachment parenting mm-hmm. and. Everybody took their philosophy, whether it was attachment parenting or something else, so seriously that I thought people were going to beat each other up. It was so crazy. And there was not one person out there with a sense of humor. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. And, uh, and now 15 years later, I'm very happy that there's been this, like, let's look back on this kind of stuff and just take a breather let's laugh yeah. a little bit so i'm very very happy that you that you wrote that book. you know like i used to walk to to a swim club i used to walk along railroad tracks to a swim club by myself <laughs> like i i just even the stuff i wouldn't let my son do now that i was doing at his age sure. you know it's because i might be arrested you know if i send an eight-year-old down to Seven Eleven to get me something you know I, I, I don't know. They that's happened before with uh, in some other states, like I think Maryland. Somebody they they 
again, everyone's got to name their thing. They're free range parents. Like, can't, I, why know, does your I know. technique have to have a name? But okay, I get it. We're all selling books. Okay, <laughs> so so they got arrested for their yeah. free range parenting. I know, know, I know, so. and yeah, that is how we all grew up. Yeah, yeah. Which was like oh. neglect. Yeah, exactly. Neglect. <laughs> exactly. There isn't a time my mother visits where I don't sit her down and go, "How could you do that?" You know, yeah. yes. You let me do that. I I sold Girl Scout cookies by myself. I went into condos and apartment complexes where elite twenty percent were pedophiles that I was selling to. I went into their house. They buy the and, most. Yeah, they do. I, but I like I went in by myself. No one asked. A, it didn't occur to me, and it didn't occur to you know. Of course, back then they weren't publicizing. You know, yeah. now, like, if a kid is kidnapped in Maine, you know, in Burbank, we're like, oh, my God, I've got to watch my child. Like, right. Okay, right. that's Maine. Like, that's- <laughs> there wasn't, we didn't get that news. We only got news that was local. So maybe there, you were you just had to wait not for as a milk fearful. Carton. You had to, like, yeah. wait. Like till till it was printed on the milk carton, That's and right. then you were eating your cereal. In the good old days, <laughs> yes. if you weren't a cereal eater, you skipped you, it. You were toast. You got your information off milk cartons and you liked it. <laughs> yes. Um, so, what about what about a TV show based on the book? Just curious. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know how to write a TV show based on that book, though. Actually, it's it's. What if um, every episode was one of the stories, but you just expanded on it and added? characters and yeah oh my Lori, god we have what about 52 hey. we have a 52 <laughs> episode arc now yeah. um, it could be an anthology you're mm-hmm. saying it's an anthology tv show yes. i've already written the first three episodes Lori. i thought <laughs> you and i can get together <laughs> um yeah i guess so it's it's not you know there's not one character mm-hmm. you know it's not following it's not it's it's more like a, a advice to you the you know the universal you so it's kind of I don't know. It's motherhood's really tricky um, to handle in comedy. You know, I think like I haven't watched Modern Family in a while, but I think they they do a great job. You they know? do. But uh, there's so many times where there people are so close and they're just a little off, and then you're like, I don't want to ever watch this show again. You because know, it just gets like, was that funny or was that wrong? <laughs> there, yeah. Or I just feel like someone's someone who's not a mother is writing the show mm-hmm. and they, they're, they're just a little off, you know, <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes that, but I, I can't, I can't think of a specific show and, or, or maybe a mother's writing the show, but someone's like, Oh, moms will be offended by that. So you need to tone it down. What, you know, what depiction of a mom are you tired of seeing on screen? Hmm. Um, the one who's, uh, only a mom. You know, the one who um, gets up and does everything for the kid all day long. And we don't see any, if you do see um, any other part of her life, uh, she's sad. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I want a mom who's like, does that part well, and then um, kicks ass at her job, you know, and isn't. I, I guess I, I don't feel like I see enough of that. It, it, I, I think that's interesting. You said, like, when we see her, she's sad because she's always being torn away from her children. It's always like, oh, no, I missed the ballet yeah. recital, yeah. the soccer game, and um, because I had to do my job because some, some boss yeah. was making me stay. And, Instead of, like, yeah. I'm glad I did my job and I don't need to see every, you know, graduation. I mean, like, not like high school, but, you know, like... I'm a single parent. And so my son is sometimes with his dad and Mm -hmm. I miss a lot and it's cool. Like I'm exhausted at the end of the week, you know, and I'm happy to give up a lot of weekend stuff, 
My wife, this is our first kid, and she's uh, nine months old. My wife is actually like living the character that you said we're seeing too much of, I think, because she feels like she is missing stuff when she just goes to work every day. She's like, I like, because um, her mom watches the baby for us. Yeah. Um, but she's like, uh, she she would quit her job tomorrow to be at home with the baby full time. I think in the early stages, I think you feel like that. It's you think very, that, like the first year? Or yeah, so? it's 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 tough, you know, yeah. because you this thing has been living inside of you for so long, and, and yeah. it's never very had weird one when before. it's outside. Right. Exactly, and you're, you're like, like oh. what is this? I have a hard time yeah. though, like getting her to go on a date with me sometimes because she's like, I don't, I you know, like if it's a Friday night, she's like, well, I was gone all day, I can't be gone at night too. I think like, it's she's, just you, Ryan. <laughs> 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 I'm picking the the wrong movies. She doesn't want to see Pixels. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so bad. <laughs> that made me so angry. That was that. There's a single mom in that movie. Yeah, that it's just like <laughs> just written by a 25 year old guy. It just oh felt god. like you know. Um, but I uh, the what was I going to say something about you know. I forget something off of what you're talking about with your wife. Did you feel that at first? Yeah, I guess so. Because you're just, you know, it's the thing of wonder. But when you, you know, and this is not a great example, the the Duggars, because of Mm. course they have. But at at some point, their older children were raising their younger children. Like they, you know, you can get de-enamored of the stages from baby to toddler and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, And people did for thousands of years. And, you know people sent their kids to boarding school. (laughs) Can you, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't, and I don't know anyone that would, but you know, that was pretty common until recently. Just Mm -hmm. get out now. My mother threatened to send me to boarding school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was only the price that held her back. Actually. (laughs) I, I, I don't know what it is with, with, you know, it's a way to hold women back a little bit too is, you know, we ha- you know, Hillary Clinton's like 67. Mm-hmm. She probably could have been a great president at 47, mm-hmm. you know, like Obama. Mm-hmm. But there's no way. You know, she's a parent. She's a mother. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think it is, you know, I, I can't tell how much of it is women actually having this biological imperative to really want to care for their kid versus that, oh, that's what you should be. And you sort of take that in and go, okay, that's what I'm going to be. And meanwhile the guy that's your parallel, you know, that your counterpart is kind of climbing up, you know, whatever ladder you, you were on and you're stuck there. And then, you know, the kid's 18 you're like, what the hell? Oh my God, what happened? And I think, you know, for people who are listening going, well, wait a minute, what does this have to do with writing? I think that, that sometimes one thing begets another, like Mm -hmm. our depictions of, of yes. people on screen yeah. suddenly make they actually affect life because you go yes. oh but that mom on screen you know is feeling all you know she missed that she missed the ballet recital and that completely traumatized her kid and because it traumatized her kid yeah. her kid had you know a, a terrible life and had an awful flashback about mm-hmm. it at the end of act two that's what's going to happen yeah. if I miss that recital so it actually does impact how we live our lives. You yeah. know, so so it is good to be thinking about like no, you know, mothers like fathers have a whole range of experiences and emotions. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's you know we should be seeing more of a range of that. And I wish I wish we um, more mothers were writing 
You know, I, you know, I, I, I have up friends that are moms that sort of like, they stopped doing stand up. It's like, no, like not every stand up should be a 25 year old white guy. Like, mm-hmm. please, like we need more. Jill Soloway just did this. She did this great speech, um, where she just talked about like, we need women's voices more than ever now, you know? And it, that's sort of like stuck on me. Cause sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, it seems like there's more hurdles, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I get get down in a way. But you know, we we need more mothers writing, you know, like whether funny, funny stuff or whatever about being a mother or about trying to not be a mother, you know, avoiding it or whatever whatever you're doing, you know. Sure, I think a lot of you know, if you look at Shitty Mom, right? Where like Louis C.K. is mm-hmm. constantly right. talking about, you know being a shitty dad yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah. and everybody's really okay with that yeah and it's funny i think when it's when it's a woman everybody's mm-hmm. like oh, i know did she I just know. say that oh no i know that drives me nuts yeah my stand-up is very very much like that where i'm i'm a terrible parent in my stand-up <laughs> thing i just think is so cool about what you do is so you have this one voice doing your stand-up about your experiences mm-hmm. you have and then you get you also do something that is nothing about your experiences, yeah. you know, in the political and the topical world yeah. on Conan. And I think that also tells people that, you know, you don't have to do one thing, you know, yeah, you don't have to write a yes. brand, yes. but you could take your skills and apply it to different totally kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, thank you for representing. Sure. I have to say, I appreciate it. Where can people find out more about you or buy your stuff? Well, I'm going to have a special coming out. I, I'm trying to sell it, so I don't know if I'll end up just releasing it because I'm not famous enough to sell a special, apparently. but It's, <laughs> it's already done, though? You have it's it, you, done. Yeah. yeah, it's all edited. It's called uh, 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad, and it's about um, my dad died last year. He had cancer, so it's about uh, cancer and hospice and funerals and grieving and all that, and it's stand-up, so it's kind of... It's not like a one-person show. There's not any poignant moments it's all jokes so wow. if you're into that where did you record it um i recorded it at the lyric on la brea oh awesome um in october of last year that's great wow. i can't wait yeah. to see that again still like like taboo 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 right yeah like everybody's gonna be like that's not funny how dare you well you know joke what? about your own experience i know i know i i, I would try to do it in reg- a regular set i talk about my dad and people be like oh no they just you know, it, whatever people's reaction is, if their parents had just died or, or, you know, they just worried about me. And so I decided, let me just only do jokes about it and name it what it is so that you can't tell me you were shocked going in. <laughs> it's called 45 jokes about my dead dad. And, and you got to be on board at that point. Yeah. My dad <laughs> yeah. died, uh, three months ago and I'm, oh, I'm having man. a hard time. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm trying to write about it. Yeah. And everything I, everything I write down, is just not funny. Like I, you know, like I'm, I'm finding bits and pieces, but I'm like, ah, that wouldn't stand on its own. The the craziest thing I had to do recently was cancel his T-Mobile plan. Oh my God. They said it's easy. They said it's easier to just pretend you're him and cancel it than having to send in these death forms and this person's not around anymore. They said, just pretend you're him. So I had to call up and pretend I was my dad canceling my own 
cell phone plan. Oh my god! And they're like, "Mr. Buds, you've been with us forever. What can we do?" And I just want to be like, "I'm dead. I'm dead." Oh no! So that's like that's oh, like a god. story I'm trying to work with. That's oh, crazy. But it was it was wild because uh, I, I got it canceled, but it was easier to, to do it that way than to all these forms and proof of death and death certificates. Sure. And oh my sure. god! Uh, but so. there is a reason they say tragedy plus time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, I think you do need the time sometimes yeah. to sort of like figure out yeah. how you know to find the funny yeah. right or to or you know or even to sort of figure out what what you feel about yeah. things um I, I again going off of this wikipedia page that maybe you didn't even know existed i have um that you released a cd in 2009 called five minutes to myself oh yeah i threw this wikipedia page together right before you came <laughs> Do you do you still have that? Are you selling that? Is oh that sure, anything? I mean it's on iTunes. If okay, you want it. yeah. so it's uh, it's a CD called Five Minutes to Myself. Yeah, um, it says here it's consisting of material you weren't allowed to use on the air. Is that true? <laughs> no. Okay, that's called Wikipedia. <laughs> oh go, Sorry about that. Whoops. Which is, which is really right. I think there's maybe one joke I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my god, and then. Um, uh, and then also, people want to buy a shitty mom. They just go to Amazon. Sure. Or? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you can follow Lori Kilmartin on Twitter. She is hilarious. Thank um, you. And is it just at Lori it's Kilmartin? Any? No. I, I stupidly, <laughs> when I joined Twitter, just used my old AOL secret chat room handle. Okay. So it's any A N Y any Lori as in I could be any Lori A N Y L A U R I E sixteen. Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to tweet you AS and find out your age sex location with the, with the AOL chat <laughs> lingo <laughs> and then Ryan where can people hang out with you these days you know what's funny you're kind of inspiring me to tweet I feel like my Twitter feeds just like promotional stuff lately um, as a comedian I feel like I should be tweeting more definitely no one reads them. promo right I, yeah. I, yeah you got I, I always try to offset promotional tweets by a bunch of funny ones but yeah, yeah 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 I have to do you ever do uh, scheduling of tweets do you ever write a bunch of stuff in no, advance and kind of throw it up just to kind of put it out there super smart I think Hootsuite I, is I, called Hootsuite. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's H O O T S U I T. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read Rob Delaney did that. Oh, did he? Because I think it seems like he tweets twenty four hours a day. It does. It does. And I, I bet think he, does. he was yeah. just such an early uh, adapter, adopter. Yeah. I, I always feel like both are uh, actually. Um, Logical adapter or adopter, but he was yeah. an early adopter of Twitter and used to do that, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pilar, people can follow me uh, at Ryan Buds, and I'm the creator of Hootsuite. B U D S? B U D D S. R Y A N B U D D S at Ryan Buds. Cool, cool. I, you know, I have the opposite problem of you guys. Like, every once in a while, I start to tweet something that I, I think is funny or like is like a little dig at something or something like that and I always delete it. Yeah. <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. People may not find it funny. I'm a teacher. Yeah, okay. that's, that might not you know, be your thing. You know, I have to I think, yeah. I have this like, you know, professional thing out there. So I so then I'll go to Pat. Oh, I wish I could have tweeted so and so. And guess who tweets it? <laughs> guess where it ends up? <laughs> I'm like, huh, that's an interesting tweet. Pat. <laughs> can, I, can I plug one more thing I forgot? Oh, sure. I have a new Tumblr. It's called uh, Daddy Daughter Drunk Dates, and it's pictures of my daughter <laughs> looking drunk and me actually drunk. And then a, a quick story about both pictures. Love it. Um, Love so it's like it. a split screen. And I've done, I think, about 15 of them, but I've, I have a never ending supply that's of, hilarious. of both things. See? 
Um, See, like Ryan can be a crappy dad. There you go. <laughs> I know. I know. Dad Ryan. Um, if you want to follow uh, on the page, it's at on the page. Also go to on the page TV and see what's happening at the studio. Ryan just showed me a picture. Are you, are you, are you actually bringing out the, the baby pictures? No, but that's it's gonna, the drunk. Oh, mid plug. Oh, sorry. Drunk. Yeah. 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 So that's going to like, <laughs> look at that. See, now I'm distracted by, ba- oh my God. They're so yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's oh right. my God. They are hilarious. Babies make a lot of drunk faces. Oh my gosh. Now we're I'm sorry to, to cut off your promo. Pilar. That's, I right. that's okay. But, um, uh, now, now I just want to like, Talk about babies. Okay, so if you go to onthepage.tv, the live classes here in Los Angeles are happening again in September. Um, it will be the first draft class, six weeks um, on Sundays, one to four p.m. And you will break story. You are you will outline and you'll be in pages by the end of six weeks. I promise you. No way. I yeah. might have to take that. I would love it. I would love it. Also, I teach uh, TV classes every two months as well. So, and that's a one day TV class to help you do the same thing. So yeah. if you can't make the six week, that might be a, a really good one. Pilar shares to the best. Aww. She literally will change everything you do really? about writing. Yeah. She's great. Cool. Thank you, Ryan Buds. <laughs> <laughs> so writing won't be painful anymore. Yeah. And I'll wake up and get right to it. Uh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> yeah. I promise. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Lori Kilmartin, for thank being you. here. Thank you, Ryan Buds, for producing. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And have a good writing week. <laughs> Thank you.